0: You're listening to a Sun Life podcast. We pray that you be blessed by the teaching of God's Word. For more information, visit sunlife.org.au. Enjoy the sermon. Thank you, guys. Thank you. What a what a joy! What a joy! Always to uh, to to worship the Lord. You know, as I was worshiping the Lord with you this morning, I. Uh, I just want to say this before I open up the Word of God is that um, the whole idea of setting time aside to come in the presence of God with brothers and sisters is something so spiritual. There, There is something wonderful about just us as a community drawing our affection towards Jesus like, I don't know about you, but I could be honest with you, is that last week was a very tough week for me. There was a few things going on where I didn't sleep well, I was wrestling with uh, suffering and, and, and death and pain, and yeah, I just really struggled. And I was like, God, why, 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 you know, why? And the Christian walk is, is not easy, it's not easy, you know, let's not fool ourselves, not Let's be honest it is tough to follow Jesus. But there's something so wonderful when fellow believers gather to just say God I just want to cast my anxieties onto you. I want to just put the worries of this world aside and come here and sing and pray and declare that you are sovereign in the good times and the bad times that you are worth it. you are worth my time that I would hop in my car and drive to Leaderville to sing to pray, to serve to listen to your word there's something spiritual about that and I want to encourage you to keep that up that when we come here may it never ever be a form of routine a form of self-righteousness because if I do this, God loves me more you know, this is what Christians should do, no, no I want to do this I really want to be with my fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord. I want to come and worship Him. I want to model this for the parents. I want to model this to my children. I really want to because I love Him. And if you are new here and this is your first time and this looks a bit spooky and what's going on with the, like, the mass karaoke, I just want to echo what Jordan said. There's something spiritual about singing. I grew up in the 80s and 90s every time. I, I was told, I was told last night there was a 90s R&B right here. Was that right? Did Eric go to that? Boys to Men was here. Jason Derulo, I think that's how you pronounce his name. And I think of when I listen to R&B music from the 90s, it takes me back there. There's something about music. It's, it's actually very spiritual. That's why throughout history, there's always singing. right? And so when we sing it takes us to, I believe, to the heart of God where our affection is now directed towards Him. And we adore Him and we love Him. So um, I really hope for those who are new here that you can see that the God that we, the majority of us here, love and serve, He's a real God. He's a personal God. And we get to witness that later on with baptism. All right, as we see some beautiful Christians who've said, by the grace of God, He has saved me. And today, I want everyone to know that I'm following Him. I'm not perfect, but I'm doing my best to follow His ways because He has saved me. Amen? Amen. Wonderful. Well, it's great to be here with you. Uh, you know, uh, there have been some very famous famous final words in Hollywood movies. So when you watch Hollywood movies, and usually when someone passes away, there are these famous Words. Let me give you some, and I've got some pictures here. Uh, Lord of the Rings, uh, uh, Boromir, his final words, if you remember, if you're a mad, hardcore Lord of the Rings, he says, I would have followed you, my brother, my captain, my king. Then he passes away. So impactful, so wonderful. Or how about Captain J. Miller in Saving Private Ryan? He says this, James, earn this, earn it, and the movie ends. Or how about William Wallace from Braveheart? Just one word, freedom, and that's it, you know? See, these last words are very, I guess, impactful. It's memorable because it leaves the moviegoers moved from the experience of watching a movie. We get to the end of Colossians chapter 4, And we remember that Paul is in Rome in prison. He's never met these Christians in Colossae. And he begins to write some final advice, final instructions for them to keep growing in Christ. So I titled my message, Paul's Final Advice, in bracket for Christian maturity. And there are three things we see in the text that He wanted them to remember, and you and I can apply today. Number one is persisting with prayer. Number two, walking with wisdom. And number three, seasoning with salt. Now, you got to pay attention to number three, seasoning with salt, okay? So I'm going to pray, and I'll invite you to pray with me, and then we can open up Colossians chapter 4. Father God, I pray now that as we look into your Word, that you would speak to us as we study Scripture together, that you would use me to speak your word with clarity. Oh Lord, with authority, with passion, as we hear from you, as we do your wills, we thank you so much for the wonderful word in scripture, Paul's advice to the Colossians, and may that also be our advice for us today. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen, amen. If you have your Bible, turn to Colossians chapter 4 towards the very end. If you have the church app, you may also open up the church app. I'll take two weeks to wrap up this series. So the first part is this week and the second part next week. He starts off by saying, this is an advice for you, persisting with prayer. Look at verses two to four. He says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us. Paul is asking, remember us as well that God may open to us a door for the word, that's the word of God, to declare the mystery of Christ on an account of which I am in prison, verse four, that I may make it clear, make it plain, which is how I ought to speak. Let's stop right there. He says right here to the Christians in Colossae, devote yourself in prayer and at the same time, remember me. Remember us in prayer. He did not request in the prayer, oh, you know, pray for my well-being. You know, I'm in prison. Pray for that, you know, prison break moment. I'll pray that the dietary requirement is really, really nice and tasty. He didn't ask that. He says what? Pray so that God may open the door for us. I'm in prison. I want to somehow strategically get the message of God, Jesus to the people here that I may declare the mystery of Christ. He says, pray so that my speech would be clear, that I may proclaim Jesus. That's what he says. But what did he say about prayer in the text? It was not, oh, brothers and sisters, pray occasionally. Oh, pray sporadically. Pray intermittently. No, the text is very clear. Pray steadfastly. The Greek word used here for the word steadfast is better translated as to be persistent in prayer, to make it regular, to be constant. It does not mean that as Christians we have to pray every second, every minute, every hour, 24-7. That is impossible. I have never met a Christian who's prayed every second, every minute, every hour. That is practically impossible. What it means is this is that we are to see prayer as part of being human. For example, if I asked you, what does an average day look like for you? Think about it. You get up in the morning, you brush your teeth, you get changed, you have breakfast, sorry, you get changed, you go to work or school, you did a bit of work, a bit of study, and then lunchtime comes around, you have something to eat. And after you finish lunch, you go back to work or study, And then around four, five o'clock, you drive home and you have dinner, right? You might have a shower, watch a bit of TV, you go to sleep. The next day, you restart, repeat. An average day looks like that. I don't think, I do not think the average Aussie, right, can get up on a Monday morning and say, well, you know what, I I don't want to go to work. I don't feel like working today. I'll just stay home and I'll decide if I will go to work tomorrow. No, work is important. We have to go to work. Mondayitis, yeah, we all get it on Monday, that disease, right? But we have to overcome it. We cannot skip work. Eating is important. Amen? I don't think people would skip meals during the course of the day. We eat because it's important to our body. Resting and sleeping is very important. I don't think we get to the end of the day and say, well, it's now 11 p.m., I'll just stay up. I won't rest, I won't sleep. Sleeping is important for the body. There are certain habits, right, which are part of being human. There are certain habits which are part of being Christian. See, Martin Luther, he says this, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. See, we are to see prayer in the same way we see us doing our job. It's important. To see us eating food or brushing our teeth or going to sleep. Prayer is to be regular. It should be habitual, consistent, constant. Now listen carefully, friends. We dishonor God when we only remember God in our darkest season. We dishonor God when we pray to God out of obligation. We dishonor God when we give Him attention every now and then. You see, it would break my wife's heart if I come home from work and I don't say a word to Trent at all. For the whole evening, I say nothing to my wife. It will break her heart. And then every now and then, I might say, hey, Tren, hey, love, I can't find the TV remote control. Where is it? it'll break her heart. Or I might say, oh, Trent, how come there's no milk in the fridge? Because I need it, so I asked her for it. See, human relationship breaks down when there's no intentional time together to communicate, to understand one another. Psychologist Kristen Darvin, she says this, when couples have poor communication, they often feel emotionally unsafe and disconnected. They feel frustrated unimportant, and alone in their relationship. Being a pastor for some years now, sadly, I've seen couples who've been married for many years. On the surface, they look happy, but deep down, they feel alone. She says this, they don't feel optimistic about the longevity of the relationship because their asylum is the opportunity to repair and heal past wounds let alone ongoing ones. You see, our God is not a force. He's not a force somewhere in the universe. We know our God, He's personal. He's a personal God. He's a relational God. And just like all human relationship, it will suffer if there's no intentional time in communicating and spending time with God. So the call for you and I is to ask ourselves the question, is our prayer life regular? Is it as important as we see sleeping, eating, doing our job? Because if we only pray every now and then, when we need God, then that dishonors God. If we see that work is so important that we cannot skip work, if we see that eating lunch is important, that we will not skip lunch, if we see that sleeping and resting is important, that we will never skip sleeping and resting, we must see prayer is also important that it is scheduled into our daily rhythm of what it means to be a maturing follower of Christ. You might say, "Well, Pastor, I'm not quite sure how to pray or what to pray." Let me give you just four things to consider if you're not quite sure how to pray. You start off praising God. You start off just praising God for who he is. God, you are sovereign. God, you're a good God, you save me. God, you are in control. You are the beginning and the end. You are the God who rules and reigns. You sit on your throne. You praise God for who He is. You start off like that. And then you begin to thank God. Thank God for what He has done over the past 24 hours. If you are praying regularly, I'm very sure there are always things you can thank God daily. Thank God I got that parking spot outside calls. Thank God. Thank God I'm still alive. You know, one of my prayers, and this sounds a bit emo, but one of my prayers, that I thank God I'm alive every day. Because if God was not gracious and kind, he would have taken me away in my sleep last night. Thank God. Number three. Now ask God. Ask God for what is on your heart. Ask God, God, can you help me with this? Sometimes we just jump into, God, I want this and I want that and I need this. I need that promotion. I need you to change and fix. I get it. But don't forget who he is. Don't forget to be thankful. And then you ask God. And then number four, you pray for those around you. Just like how Paul said to the Colossians, don't forget us. Pray for us. There are many people you can pray for. You can pray for your family and friends. You can pray for the city. You can pray for your country. You can pray for your lost, unsaved friends. You pray for others. Don't be so greedy that you're always praying for yourself. Pray for others, and I promise you, brothers and sisters, if you have a lifestyle of prayer, if it becomes part of your existence, if praying is just important as the other aspect of what it means to be human, I guarantee you, you'll be growing in the Lord. That's why he ends off by saying, "Persisting with prayer." A.W. Tozer he says this: the Christian's heart must be soaked in prayer. Before the true spiritual fruits begin to grow. You're questioning why your life is not growing the Lord. You're questioning why it ain't spiritual enough. Ask yourself this question. Am I persisting with prayer? Amen. That's the first thing we need to do. Number two, walking with wisdom. Look in verse five. He says this. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time the the word outsider here in verse 5 means people outside the walls of the church right there were plenty of non-believers where the colossians worked where they played where they studied where they did their business and paul was saying when you're out there in the marketplace walk conduct yourself wisely in society right making the best use of your time that one verse teaches us two things Number one is that we are to live in society, right, and embrace society. That is that is very important. Right? If you are a Christian, listen carefully, and all you are is living for Sunday. I can't wait for Sunday to come around. Or you're living for your connect group. I can't wait for my connect group or your youth group. Right? And you don't want anything to do with society. Like you're like a ninja when it comes to school. You go in and you Go out. No one knows you. You don't want to know anyone because you don't want anything to do with this world because the world is so evil. I just cannot wait. Jesus, would you just speed up Monday to Friday so that when Sunday comes around, I'm with God's people. If you are a Christian and the only friends you have are Christian. If you are a Christian and you have no non-believing friends because you want nothing to do with society, I've got bad news for you because we are to be in society. We are to love society. We are to embrace society. We cannot be people who just go, well, it's all about this. It's about my connect group. It's about serving people with my other brothers and sisters and that's it. I don't want anything to do with this world. The difference with the Christian faith, listen carefully, is that we are not to escape society Because God never escaped a broken world. God entered into a broken world. Therefore, God sends us into a broken world to embrace it, to love it, to redeem it. We are not of the world, but we're in the world. Amen. Jesus said this to the disciples in Matthew 10, 16. Behold, I am sending you out. He's sending them out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as dove. Jesus did not say, well, you've come to know me. Stay in the church. No, you're out there in society. Therefore, we have to get to know people who are far from Christ. Build relationship with our neighbors. Amen. Build relationship with our colleagues, our peers, our our schoolmates. Get to know the local business owners, the sporting clubs. We need to love society. We need to love the people that God has strategically placed us in so that we can bring them the hope of Jesus Christ. The second thing it teaches us here, right, from verse 5, is that uh, we have to live wisely, live wisely in society. Now, let me explain why. In verse 5, there's a Greek word, and the Greek word is exagorazomenoi something like that, exago razomenoi. And in the NIV translation, it, it uses the phrase, you know, making the most of your time. All right, if you go back to verse five here, it says they're making the best use of the time. That's actually not a very good translation because the Greek word has a commercial connotation. It actually talks about buying goods buying things in the marketplace. And the best way to understand verse five is this, Christians live in society with wisdom in order to buy up opportunities for God. That's the translation there. Live wisely so that you can buy up opportunity for God. See, there's a difference between wisdom and knowledge. Is that right? See, knowledge is what? Information. Knowledge is information. Wisdom is using that information. It's applied knowledge. Therefore, what Paul is saying to the Colossians is that you need to live in society with wisdom so that you can juggle the urgency of sharing Jesus without being reckless. Does that make sense? To be wise so that you build up and buy opportunity for God. Let me give you an example. Just during the week, I happened to be in Japan, and I was meeting some Christian missionaries, and uh, I was so encouraged with this particular team of missionaries. All right, I, was, I was spending time with them, and each missionary, right, would all go to the subway in Japan, and what they would do is they'll look for anyone sitting alone in the subway. All right, so they just notice someone sitting alone, and then they would somehow muster the courage to sit next to this individual. All right, and then they'll pray. And ask the Holy Spirit to to prompt them, if this is a good opportunity, to share their faith. And then they begin to share their story, why they're in Japan, why they love the country of Japan. And they mention Jesus, and they do it with Google Translation. It's beautiful for what they say. And as they begin to share their stories, if this Japanese person begins to ask more questions, they begin to share the memorized gospel in Japanese. They've all memorized the gospel in Japanese. And so they begin to I I can't speak Japanese. But it sounds a bit like that. All right. And they begin to share the gospel. You would not believe this. For the past three months, that team, that team have seen a hundred Japanese prayed the sinner's prayer give their lives to Jesus. Such wisdom to seize the moment, to buy up opportunity to share Jesus. We are to walk in wisdom in this world. Wherever God has placed us, we are to ask God, God, give me wisdom so that I can buy up opportunity to share Jesus. James 1.5 says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, oh pastor, I'm not wise, I don't know what to say, I kind of stumbled on my word. Well, James 1.5, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. Ask God and God will give you the wisdom to seize the moment, to buy time, to buy opportunity to share His Son to someone who needs the gospel i believe there are always moments every day of the week i believe so i believe a lot of the time we just do not ask god for wisdom a lot of times we just go out oh, that person's not going to be saved i don't know what to say oh it's just not the right moment oh the stars are not aligned therefore i won't say anything no we ask god for wisdom And we should live in a way where we buy opportunities for God. Even one person later on who should have been here to be baptized, but for some family reason could not be here. Well, that person has been coming to our church because one of you here sees the moment. One of you here asked that person on the streets about their faith Do you know Jesus? you ask that man and you seize the moment and that person came to our church now for the last month or so received Jesus was meant to be baptized but because of family reason cannot be here you see every one of us here we need to be wise there's an urgency in sharing Jesus but let's not do it recklessly but wisely amen number three last point you'll like this one here seasoning with salt. You're like, well, pastor, where did you get that from? i show you. In verse 6, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. There it is. So that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Now listen, listen, it's not what you think it is. Because I know to my barbecue friends here, you're licking your lips. You're like, amen, amen, pastor. Preach it, right? Now I had to Do a Google of a definition for the barbecue lovers. Salt is this, in your interpretation, it is the white crystal that all barbecue lovers must have on their thick, juicy steak. It's not what you think it means. Now to my millennials and my Gen Z, salty salt. I had to do a bit of a research here. It's an adjective. It's a regular word used by Gen Z for describing being agitated, angry or upset. It's not what you think it means, all right? What Paul is saying here is this, is that our speech must be appetizing to those around us. As you share Jesus, may their mouth water. Yeah? Uh, you know, uh, the famous Sir David Attenborough. there's a picture of him here. He's the British biologist broadcaster. Have you watched some of his documentaries? You know what I'm talking about, right? Man, when that guy describes things, like he's speaking and his voice, his speech is so fascinating. Like It's like he's teleporting you into the depths of the deep blue sea, right? He's bringing you into the luscious green Amazon jungle. Like When he speaks, it's so interesting. It's so amazing, right? Every word, he grips you, right? I believe that if he was a preacher, If Edinburgh was a preacher, there'll be many believers every week, right? Just the way he speaks and he draws you, it's just so intriguing. We must be like that as well too. Because there'll always be a time when someone will ask us why. Why are you like that? Why do you go to church? Why do you pray? Why are you so kind to me? Why, why, why? And then we must be ready to share why. And may our speech appetite them. May our speech water their mouth. May our speech of Jesus be so attractive, the beauty of Christ, that they want to know him more and more. But here's the application for you and for me. We can only appetize others of the goodness of Jesus when we first have tasted the goodness of Jesus for ourselves. Amen? We must never forget the goodness of Jesus. If we are not careful, we've experienced the goodness of Jesus years ago when we received Him. Or oh, years ago when we were baptised we realized how good He was. And in those years, we were sharing about Jesus to everyone. But as the years and the decades go by, we've forgotten the taste of Jesus. And so what we need to do is always daily and regularly remind ourselves of the goodness of Jesus. We must experience and taste Jesus for ourselves first before we can appetize someone with the words of the gospel. Every believer here, we have to find ways to always remind ourselves the goodness of Jesus. That means to spend time with Him. That means to be in His Word. That means to just begin to ask Him to awaken our spirituality, so that we know how good He is. And when someone comes and asks, why, 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 because we see in the text, Paul, uh, Paul says, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person, you can tell them the goodness of Jesus. The psalmist says this in Psalms 34.8, taste and see that the Lord is good. It is an invitation for everyone to taste and see the goodness of the Lord. For those who are following Jesus, make it something daily that you are forever enjoying the goodness of Jesus so that when the time comes, you can share them. That your speech will be seasoned with salt. And they too will go, wow. Otherwise, what happens is that we become boring. We become irrelevant. What we say makes no sense. Why would they want to follow a Jesus who's boring is irrelevant, who makes no sense, but rather they hear us, they hear our testimony, they can see how Jesus has been so good to us, they want to know more and more and more. That's what we're called to do. So those three things that we see in the text that Paul would remind the Colossians is that number one, he says to them, make sure you're persisting with prayer. Number two, walking with wisdom. And number three, seasoning with soul. And I believe with all my heart, if you and I remember these three things, we too will grow together for Christ. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Yes, Father God, thank you so much for your word. Yeah, thank you so much for just the beauty of, of scripture that whatever you have been teaching us, Lord, that um, we are also doers of your word. Lord, I just pray for Sun Life Church that she would never be content, that she will um, yeah, never forget the goodness of Jesus. Anyone here this morning, Lord, who have forgotten how good you are, or anyone here who just don't want anything to do with their neighbours or their community or anyone here who lacks in the discipline of prayer I just pray for them right now Uh, you know your children you know where they're at so I just pray Holy Spirit you do a work in their hearts right now whatever it is that you've been speaking to them over the last half an hour oh Lord help them to change as of this afternoon. Maybe it is for them to get to know their neighbours. Maybe it is for them to not just avoid society, but rather embrace society. Or maybe it is to start praying regularly. See prayer as being important to what it means to be human and Christian. Or maybe it is just to fall in love with you again and just taste the goodness of Jesus Christ, so that when the time comes, their words will be seasoned with salt, Oh Lord, to share the goodness of Christ to those around them. So I pray for Sun Life Church. I pray that we would never be a church that is uh, mediocre, come and go on a Sunday, go to our connect group and then go home, but there's a fire, there's a fire, there's a desire To live for your glory. To grow as mature followers of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we are thankful that we are growing. We are thankful for the many new faces. And we pray that every one of us, whether we've just come to know Christ or we've known Christ for the last few decades, that we're all growing, maturing in your ways. Oh Lord, we need more of you. Holy Spirit, we need more of you. Would you do the work in us? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.